Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Well, you have made some changes, haven't you? I got my little secrets. Yeah, I can tell. Can you help me, please? Can we help you? Yes, ma'am. Well, then I'd like you to check my motor. It whistles. I don't blame it. What did you say? Oh, forgive Uh... my friend, miss. He's very young. We'll be very happy to check your motor. I call a real sporty model. Oh, I agree. A beautiful line. Count? Oh, yes. Uh, that's how I started out, working on sports cars. Well, no wonder. Well, is it serious? I'll tell you one thing. You know, she got a lucky break when she stopped in here. Oh, yes. Start her up, champ. Yeah. Uh, Let her rip. But I simply don't understand why I'll make it simple, ma'am. Your motor's broken. Broke? But it was running perfectly when I pulled up here, except for the whistle. Are you sure you're a mechanic? Sure I'm a mechanic. I mean, you got here just in the nick of time because we're going to dismantle this whole thing. Completely. It might take a whole day. A day? Maybe two. Well, if you have to. Well, can you lend me a car until you have mine running again? Well, we'll do better than that. I'll be happy to drive you wherever you want to go. And why should you go to all that bother? Because around here I'm known as your very bothering mechanic. I'm sure you are. Be right back. I'm sorry.
very smart. You know what you've done? What? You don't even know the girl's name. Or do you? You could have at least taken a look at a registration slip. I had no eyes for a registration slip. My eyes were I know on. what your eyes were on. <laughs> we don't even know if she lives here or not. She could be a tourist for all we know. Mr. Jackson, trust my instinct in these matters. She could be in one of the shows. But after all, what difference does it make, my friend? Unfortunately, you are on your way to Los Angeles and I have to work on my car. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we have no time to search for a beautiful girl. I guess you're right. Good luck to you. Good luck to you, too. Hey, this is Wayne Carini from Chasing Classic Cars, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And now... Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. <laughs> okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into the uh, Sausage Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. And uh, yeah, we're on YouTube uh, Live and Facebook Live, at least for the moment. And uh, so we got a pretty exciting show for you this evening. Again, we got, uh, you know, it's, it's the fall, so all the car shows around the Southeast are starting to. Uh, Take uh, take place. Oh, yeah, by the way, if you want to find out more about us, don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Obviously, where you can find out all about us. And don't forget to check out our archive page where we usually have our updated, bad Robert, um, I'm behind a little bit, uh, shows where you can uh, listen to all our uh, past shows and uh, tune in to the upcoming shows. Hey, by the way, this is live radio, so I'm allowed to goof up every once in a while. Right, Tommy? How you doing this evening? Tom's got to scramble real quick to get the mic on. I have a sticky button there. I'm doing very well, Robert. How are you tonight? Good, 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 good. Hey, we had the boat races this past weekend. The Hooters, uh, what do they call that? Clearwater. Uh, man, my brain is just like, it's just not working right now. The, well, typically it was the Clearwater, Hooters Clearwater Superboat Nationals, but it's called the, um, geez, I cannot believe I can't remember that now. Uh, we had the guys on a radio show last week. Wow, I'll tell you what. This is just... Uh, anyway, but it was, well, we had a spectacular weekend. We had some great shows. Oh, and that reminds me. That reminds me. I think I have my little note, my slip with me. Um, every year, I generally... God, for the last nine years, ten years, I've been going out to these boat races and kind of covering these events. And usually we've had like a pre-boat race show and a post-rate boat show. And uh, the... Um, uh, usually we have like a crew, like uh, maybe one of the team members, one of the boat owners, one of the mechanics, uh, somebody from the, the boat uh, offshore power boat races on our show as a guest. And of course, last week we had Larry on, and Larry is the founder and the owner of the new um, powerboat offshore. I think I got it right now. Powerboat offshore, powerboat offshore world. No, world. God, I cannot believe I can't remember this. Shame. Bobby's going to call in, in a few minutes. And um, but anyway, so we had him on last week. We had a pretty good time on Friday night. This past Friday, they had the uh, a lot of the boats showed up, and uh, they had the parade downtown. And actually, it was surprisingly a pretty good turnout. We weren't quite sure because SBI, which is Super Bowl International, used to be in uh, um, involved 
with this, and they're kind of like uh, phasing out. So there's another organ- sanctioning body or another organization that's taking over this, uh, this event. In fact, I think they've got another event down in um, Fort Myers, I think, in a couple of weeks. And then I think next month is the um, Super Rope Nationals or the finals, I should say, to determine who, who's the ultimate winner. And that takes place in Key West. And um, before the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen, I will figure out, I will try to search my memory probably in the break here, and I will figure out, I remember who, I think it was, uh, per, God, I cannot believe I can't remember that. You know, this does happen. This is real. This is real because this is live radio, so this happens. And, yeah, I'm human, so I do I do tend to forget things. But at any rate, uh, a big shout-out to Captain Kevin Farner uh, of Legendary Ventures. And let's see, on our boat, we also had Terry, Howdy, Devin, and Cruz. Now, what we did this time is, in the past, I've always gone out with either, could have been the Pace Boat, I've uh, been out with um, friends in boats. Um, I've shot pictures from the pier. I've shot pictures from the uh, Hyatt. Um, just a, a lot of different places. And, of course, obviously the best vantage point is out on the sea, out on the water. So what I did just this year is I went out, and I did many, many years ago, I went out with a safety boat. And the safety boats are generally in the middle. So you've got a pace boat. You've got course marshals. you got safety boats. you got the Marine Patrol. you got Coast Guard. Uh, you got everybody out there. They're keeping a good eye on this thing because you know safety is number one in racing. And if you tuned in to last week's show, you can you can bet that that is a big deal with that because speedboat, powerboat racing, you don't. Have, it's not like you're in a, in a on a racetrack and your car just decides to quit or you crash. You know you're sitting there and you can you know somehow manage to crawl to the side. When you're in a boat, um, that thing flips over. You've got seconds, if that to get out of the boat, to be rescued. Uh, if you're knocked unconscious, you know, to get somebody in there to revive you. In fact, when we were out this time, we were in a safety boat. It was a 36-foot yellowfin. Nice boat, nice boat, I might add. To go to my Facebook page, there's a number of uh, pictures on there. I did Facebook, I did some, um, what else did I do? Facebook and um, that other thing called, what's it called? Twitter. And uh, so I posted some stuff up there. And it's some pretty good pictures. I hadn't been out in, in, in probably, I don't know, four, five, six months or something like that on the water. But you'd really have a good vantage point. But the water was perfect. It was cool. It was calm. Uh, a little breezy out there. It was great. There was a good turnout. Racing was excellent. Racing, when you use the term in racing, clean, clean racing, it wasn't like everybody was rubbing and trying to knock everybody out of their lanes. You know, because we always talk about in racing, you hold your lane, you hold your line, so to speak. Um, they were, it, it was true gentleman racing. And uh, so, obviously, the Super Cat class is one of my favorites. Um, they didn't have Unlimited here, so Miss Geico wasn't here, and the turbine-powered and the 12, 13, 1,400, 2,000-horsepower boats weren't here. But the spec racers, the 40-foot cats were out there, and that would have been uh, Micon was out there, something-something uh, Floors was out there, and uh, WHM, which is Billy Mouth, a friend of mine who was out there, and I think there was one other boat, and I can't remember the name of that one. Oh, oh, of course, I should know. He was on our show. Mark Small, Small Change Racing, and he was out there. So there was four boats in the Superboat class, or Supercat class, and uh, they put on a pretty good show. They really did. I mean, there was uh, Billy was way out front, WHM was way out front, and the other three boats were kind of like dicing the back and forth a little bit. It always gets a little squirrely in the turns, but they did a pretty good job. So it was nice, clean racing. The uh, the um, stock class, super stock class, those guys were out there having a good time. Wicks was out there. Uh, my friend. Uh, God, here we go again. I can't remember. Jeez, I need to take my vitamins. Um, uh, Turtle Cove, I think is what it is, out of uh, Sarasota. He was out there having a good time. Um, 
It's ja- uh, Sledgehammer, Jagged Hammer, something hammer. I was out there. Um, they did pretty good. They had a little, a little bit of an engine problem. They came in the infield, a little bit infield, you know, in water field, so to speak, a couple times. The helicopters were out there. We got some pretty good shots. As a matter of fact, what was really cool, at one point in time, the helicopter came right above our canopy on our boat. And, I mean, it just started blowing everything. You see water scattering, everything like that. That was pretty cool. And uh, so they gave us a little bit of show. And it has the obviously, the, one of the helicopters has the rescue divers on them. And the other two are basically spotters. And on our boat, on the safety boat that I was on, we had uh, Devin was on there. And Devin is a uh, um, uh, uh, seasoned experience scuba diver and part of the rescue team so he was on our boat so if we anything happened since we we're in water and you you know we could run over there real quick and 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 aid support and the whole time that we're there keep in mind this boat is 36 foot it's got three 300s that's 900 horsepower the whole time during the race we have to sit there with all three engines idling because he's got to be ready to get up to speed real quick in case of an emergency so that was a lot of fun i learned a lot um uh, Kevin was a, is a, has been a, uh, uh, a, um, a medic support boat for uh, or rescue boat or first aid boat, however which way you want to call it, um, for the last three years. He does a great job, and um, like I said, we had a good time out there, and uh, and I got some good pictures, so that was that was cool. But we were out there for the duration, so when you go out with the with the medic boats, you're out there from you know 30 minutes before the race or longer. And then you know right after the race and the race is over, then uh, then y'all head in. And then what the uh, what the safety um, helicopter did too is they do this. They've been doing this for a couple of years. Is towards the end they'll get somewhere close to the pier, and then the uh, divers will actually he'll get down within you know 75 feet, 50 feet, something like that, and they jump off the skids on the helicopter and give everybody kind of a show. So that was kind of cool too. So, but uh, good turnout, perfect weather. Uh, just spectacular racing, and we look forward to it next year. Now, I think what I'll do is I'll just give out a little little brief little Florida Car Show minute. What's coming up here in the next uh, couple of weeks? Well, this weekend is the Tampa Bay Musician Swap Meet over in Tampa. And uh, you can Google Tampa Bay Musician Swap Meet. That's this Sunday. And then we have uh, Sumter County Swap Meet is this weekend. We have the big deal is the Dunedin Brewery October Fest. Okay, that actually starts Thursday. They're starting tomorrow. So if you want to get a heads up on your drinking, right, Tommy? Um, head on over there to Dunedin Brewery in downtown. Super food, super nice guys, great beer, craft beer. I'm sure uh, Kenny will be talking about that tomorrow on his show. What's he got, the craft beer hour? That's his show? Yeah, he should, yes. And then, uh, yeah, so he'll be talking about that. So uh, there will be a car show this weekend. Be sure and check out DunedinBrewery.com. The calendar. So it's actually a four-day event. So it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you go over there and you buy a mug, a mug, you get to keep that mug, and then you get to get refills on special occasions. In fact, I think they should... like to call them steins. Steins. Okay. You know what? Funny. Now let me tell you a quick story. When I was in Europe many, many, many years ago, and then we're gonna have to go to a commercial here. There was we were. I was over there with the Porsche Club. I was an interpreter. Stein. Okay, and German means stone. Okay, these were originally hollowed out rocks or whatever stones, and they were used stein. They they eventually kind of evolved into a, but they're basically a mug. In German, mug means krug. Okay, somebody in America, somewhere somewhere down the line, somebody started calling them steins because 
the old timers referred to them as a stein, you know, kind of like a drinking stein. But that's what that's what they were. They were hollowed out mugs, basically. Okay, but they were made out of rocks. Well, I'm glad I fed you that. Yeah. Educational well, wait a minute. So here we are. We're at this uh, little German uh, souvenir shop, and a friend of mine goes in there and he says, "I'd like to buy that beer stein." And the guy goes, "What? What beer stein?" And the guy says, well, that right there, that's not a stein. That's a krug. That's a mug. And the guy goes, no, that's a beer stein. No, it's a krug. So he reaches out from underneath the counter. This is no lie. I was sitting there the whole time. Of course, I speak German. So he pulls out a rock. He puts this on the table. He goes, das ist ein Stein. This is a rock. Das ist ein Stein. This, and he grabs the mug. He says, this is a krug or a mug for you Americans. Okay. This is a Stein. Stein. And he kept smacking it on the table. Krug. Krug. And get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) You know how Germans are. They're nice and friendly. And uh, so I never forgot that. I thought that was funny. So so when somebody says Stein, now my dad used to say that. My dad was Austrian, okay? My mom was German. And, you know, we typically refer to it as a beer Stein. That's true. But the Germans... If he's a true German, we'll take offense to it, and he'll say, Das ist ein Stein. This is a rock. Das ist ein Krug. This is a mug, a beer mug. I did not know that, yeah, I'm yeah, glad yeah, I said yeah. that. You see, this, she learned something on this I show absolutely learned every day. Today. Now, on that note, I think we should fire up the stereo, and uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, here's a little, uh, the original. Tupelo, Mississippi Flash by Jerry Reed. Hey, you t- tune into Nostalgic Reading Cars, don't touch that dial. We will be right back. Well, he walks into my office with a great big grin. And folks, that's where my story really begins. He said, son, my name is Beauregard Rippy. I come to you from Tupelo, Mississippi. I write songs and I sing like a bird. I play licks on my guitar like you ain't never heard. My love things are just a little slack I got a quarter in my pocket and a shirt on my back But you buy me some supper, give me a place I can sleep Said I'll sing you some songs and knock your head in the creek I got talent, boy Sit back home, they call me the Tupelo, Mississippi flag In a room with some kind of a nut When he pulled out that pack of used cigarette butts So that's when I told him we can't use you today So I hand the boy a dollar and I sent him on his way Well, the boss got back and we both had a laugh When I told him about the Tupelo, Mississippi flash And pretty soon I had the story circulating around About this Mississippi nut that we had in our town I said, watch him, everybody, the boy's squirrely He walks around, called himself the Tupelo, Mississippi flash Just happened to have my car radio on When I heard a jockey raving about a brand new smash By a kid called a Tupelo Mississippi Flash Why, I almost wrecked my automobile I went through red lights I hit the traffic cop Why, well my story's got an ending and it's short and sweet The boss man, he fired me and left me out in the street but I got a new job now and I'm a learning real fast. I'm a driving the bus for the Tupelo Mississippi Flash. And 
his Cadillac, I'm driving that corn too. And that yacht he's got, and his airplane. <laughs> well, chauffeur, show good, I always say. As a true below Mississippi, whoever heard of it. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Celebrate the beginning of fall with German food, live music, classic sports cars, and of course, handcrafted beer at Dunning Brewery's Oktoberfest 2019, October 3rd through the 6th. This free event will feature music from the Mike Dillon Band, Ajiva, Eric McFadden, Roach Elma, Brain Emoji, and many more. So don't forget, bring your classic sports car out to Dunning Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunning. Visit them online at dunningbrewery.com or call 727-736-0606. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. Yes, I love it when everything comes together. Don't you tell me? <laughs> Technology. You know, sometimes I wish we didn't have cell phones. I wish we didn't have computers. I wish we didn't have any of this stuff. Just a simple little old radio station. Then I could sit there and hide like I typically do. But now I'm being, now I'm in the limelight. I'm in the limelight. There, look, I went too far. I should know better. I don't, I moved too far away from the mic. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, what we're talking about, the boat races. So it was pretty cool. But anyway, like I said, I wanted to give a big shout-out to those guys because uh, they were nice enough to take us out on the boat, you know. And it's pretty cool. And um, love to go down to the one in Fort Myers. I think that should be good. Uh, Sarasota was a couple, was a month or so ago. But boat racing is really cool. You know, really, it's just, uh, it's just different. And here's the thing I was talking about while I was on the boat with these guys. We were talking about, you know, because everybody's talking about electric cars and electric this and electric buses and electric trucks and possibly even electric airplanes. I can only imagine what that would be like to have a failure up there in, in the air, mid-air sometime. But same thing with boats. Um, they've been experimenting with that, too. But, you know, it's kind of like what made the racing cool was the noise. If the noise is not there, can you only imagine? I mean, not, we, we, uh, my good friend Bob Varsha is going to be coming on here probably in the next month or so. And we're going to talk about the um, E-Formula racing or Formula E racing. And I saw the new Porsche Formula E race car when I was out in Monterey. And I just somehow, and if there's no noise associated with it, I mean, sure, there might be just a little whistle or a whisper or something like that. But without the noise, the noise is what uh, invigorates you. It just gets you going. But anyway, on that note, I think what we're going to do is we're going to queue up uh, – a few things, right, Tommy? And then we're going to call our guests. So as soon as Tommy gets everything uh, in order here, um, you know, the, the, and I have to, and I'm not making any apologies, but, you know, we are a radio station. We are uh, 
uh, you know, digital, electronic, and all of that good stuff. But Mother Nature can sometimes play some pretty nasty games with it. When lightning just gets real serious around here, it will whack us. We have this big stick out here. They call it an antenna. Okay, and uh, you know, like we say, uh, you know, you have jargon that we use in the industry, industry jargon, and uh, that tower apparently gets popped on a regular basis during the summer, and it just messes up our equipment. So we can be in the middle of the show, you might hear some static, you might hear it, something might drop, the phone might goof up, the computers might goof up. So it's not us, because Tommy does an excellent job. Obviously, my job is to sit over here and blab, which I'm pretty good at, blah 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 blah. But, uh, you know, so he's over there, and he's got to scramble. And it's like those poor guys got to go over there and do damage control. So, And there's nothing we can do about it. You can have the greatest surge protectors in the world and all these shields, as they call them, and uh, you can still have some issues. So, Tommy, go ahead and fire up that turntable again. Let's see if we can get something going. And uh, stick around, and we'll be right back with our special guest for the evening. Maybe we'll be alone. I'll make you feel at home In my little beach shack Who cares about tomorrow? I need your love tonight And baby, if you're evil Baby, hold me tight You're out of here in about three seconds. I'm going to put you over my knee. But I'm only wearing it. That's good, because you're going to feel it. I'm going to marry you. Remember, Mike, I always get what I want. I can do better than that. Let me tell the story, I can tell it all About the mountain boy who ran illegal alcohol His daddy made the whiskey, son he drove the load When his engine roared, they called the highway thunder road Sometimes into Asheville, sometimes Memphis town The revenuers chased him, but they couldn't run him down Each time they thought they had him, his engine would explode He'd go by like they were standing still on Thunder Road. There was thunder, thunder over Thunder Road. Thunder was his engine and white lightning was his load. There was moonshine, moonshine, twice the devil's thirst. The law they swore they'd get him, but the devil got him first. On the 1st of April, 1954, a federal man sent word he'd better make his run no more. He said 200 agents were covering the state. Whichever road he tried to take, he'd get him sure his feet. Son, his daddy told him, make this run your last. Your tank is filled with hundred proof, you're all tuned up and gassed. Now don't take any chances, if you can't get through. I'd rather have you back again than all that mountain dew. And there was thunder, thunder, over thunder road. Thunder was his engine and white lightning was his load. Moonshine, moonshine, it quenches the devil's thirst. The law they swore they'd get him, but the devil got him first. Roaring out of Harlan, revving up his mill. He shot the gap at Cumberland and screened by Maynardville. With G-Man on his taillight, roadblocks up ahead. The mountain boys had rose, but even angels feared to tread. Blazing 
right through Knoxville, out on Kingston Pike. Then right outside of Bearden, there they made the fatal strike. He left the road at 90, that's all there is to say. The devil got the moonshine and the mountain boy that day. And there was thunder, thunder, over Thunder Road. Thunder was his engine and white lightning was his load. And there was moonshine, moonshine, quenched the devil's thirst. The law they never got him, cause the devil got him first. Law they never got him, cause the devil got him first. Thunder, 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 oh. This is NASCAR Hall of Fame crew chief Ray Evernham, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and yes, we are. Thanks, Ray. Uh, you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is himself a legendary race car driver, IMSA champion, and chairman of the time trials for the new annual, first annual, upcoming Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Jim Pace. Jim, how you doing? Doing great, Robert. Man, I love that intro. Well, wow, that's awesome. Super, super, super. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know you liked uh, Robert Mitchum in that movie, Thunder Road, and there's a reason for that. We played that because uh, you're working on some of the events for, or some of the time trials and I think rally events for the upcoming Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. That's right. We The Chattanooga Motor Car Festival has three, uh, three core events. There's a time trial that'll run along the riverfront. There's a rally that goes out into the mountainside, which is, uh, you know, that that's what I love about the just the local driving. And then uh, we have a concours. There's a concours de elegance. You know, we a hundred of the finest museum quality cars here downtown West Village, and we're using it to raise money for a good cause. So there's a lot going on. Now the charity that you guys are uh, referring to and raising funds for is which charity? We are, the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival is associated with the Erlanger Neuroscience Institute, and that is the Erlanger Hospital here in Chattanooga that has a, a special neuroscience uh, division that does Alzheimer's research. And in layman's terms, they're doing Alzheimer's research. Okay. And we have worked with those guys now for about seven or eight years in different racing organizations. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about your own background. You've been racing for a while. You started, what, in the late uh, 80s, mid-80s, somewhere around in there? You know, I wanted to drive race cars since I was about four years old. I had a couple of childhood heroes, one hero I had a chance to meet and kind of changed my life when I was about four years old. took about 20 years to actually, you know, put a helmet on and go do something about it legally. Uh, but, yeah, I started racing in the IMSA series and uh, actually started with a Skip Barber racing program back in the late 80s raced a lot around uh, or down uh, in, in Florida at Sebring and uh, over in Palm Beach, Miami, back when there was a whole lot of IMSA racing going on in that part of the country. Uh, and then I raced the IMSA series. Later it was Grand Am and then IMSA again up until uh, about two years ago. And then I've gotten involved with a lot of vintage racing uh, since then. So, uh, But, uh, no, I had a chance to do a lot of racing. Uh, loved every bit of it. Loved road racing. Loved all racing. But I was you know, my you go where the opportunity is, and, and my opportunities kept being in endurance racing to drive with someone else. And uh, so, you know, Daytona and Sebring and Le Mans and, and all the all the big races like that had a, had a lot of fun and met a lot of a uh, lot of great people there. 
Well, now you can lay claim to uh, some wins, right, at uh, Daytona and Sebring? You know, I had a chance. The, 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 uh, the, the very first time I went to Daytona was 1990. And, uh, I mean, I didn't know stick shift from shine up. But, <laughs> but I was with a good team. And uh, the, one of the guys that was there, uh, you know, it's, he had been racing. This was Peter Urea down in Miami. And he had been racing in uh, Porsche and finishing second year after year after year at the Rolex. And he said, you know, these could be the Mazda, the Mazda RX-7 is just kicking my tail every year. So he went to Amos Johnson and said, Amos, I want to rent your car. And this car had won the last three years in a row, and they were building a new one. And so Amos said, yeah, sure, you can, you can take it. So we rented that car, and, and Peter allowed me to be a teammate. And the first time at Daytona, we won. You know, wow. All the factory cars broke down, and so my first time at Daytona was a class win, and then that that created a lot of opportunity. And then a couple of years later, with Wayne Taylor and Scott Sharp and O'Reilly and Scott, we won it overall um, in the in the prototype. You know, won the whole thing, the the whole shooting matches. You know, the helmet and the watch and the flag and the whole deal. And and then that we took that same car and went to Sebring and won the twelve hours. Uh, so that was a that was the start of a good year. Now the Raleigh Scott car was that Ford powered back then? This particular car was not. Okay. Raleigh and Scott, you know, Mr. Raleigh and Mr. Scott built the car, right? And then you could the and the rules at the time would allow you to put whatever engine. And this engine was the the Oldsmobile Aurora. Oh, really? Which later, yeah, later became the uh, you know the Cadillac kind of took over, but it was the the. Uh, the, the Navstar thing, but at the time it was all about the politics of who was racing and who was not racing. And uh, the the guys at the GM said, "Yeah, we can race it under an Oldsmobile brand." And so we had Oldsmobile Aurora on everything. They were also supporting AJ Foyt back at the time um, with that Aurora engine. And uh, so our car had a, had a little four liter. Uh, four-liter v8 that was that we could run to about eleven thousand rpm uh my hearing is still suffering i think but, um, <laughs> but the, the riley was also available with with the uh, with the ford power a lot of guys ran the ford the dyson team was very successful with a with a big ford engine and then um, there were it may have been a chevy and then later they stuffed cadillac and a judd and all kinds of things in it but when i was running it which was the first year for the team we ran it with the uh, with the Oldsmobile Aurora. You actually twisted that motor eleven thousand RPMs. Uh, eleven thousand RPM for a, you know for that little V eight. I think it was supposed to be ten five, but you know they were they were uh, you know basically they said you can rev it as high as you want to rev it because we don't think it'll go that high. And we were running against the Ferrari the, against the three 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 Ferraris, uh, and they that car had so much more top speed than we did and so the the rules kind of kept you know every every after every race they would let us increase the rpm about 300 or so by the time near the end it's like oh, you can rev it as high as you want to but but it didn't it didn't necessarily like it didn't always like it there was only one i think there was only one ferrari team at the time that was racing that was moretti's team right moretti was there uh there was um uh, Freddie Leinhardt was uh, was there. Uh, Didier Taze was driving one of those cars. Okay. And, uh, let's see, Mauro Baldi. Well, man, you're you're jogging my memory. <laughs> Mauro Baldi was there, and uh, Andy Evans. Uh, who oh, Andy, that's big, right. Andy Evans was a big IMSA player. He was there with uh, 
uh, Fermin Velez. They were, I think there were three or maybe four uh, Ferraris. All I know is they were fast at Daytona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, did you get a chance to run in the, because right about in the 90s, in the mid-90s, they were playing around with the WSC cars, the World Challenge cars, or whatever they were called, you know, those open. Right, right. Did you, did you co- yeah, did you drive I any did. of those open cockpit cars? I did, I did. I started, I was driving those cars when the, about 93 to 94, when they made the transition, which were basically the old GTP cars, and guys were cutting the roof. If you had a spice a GTP and cut the roof off of it. You know, you were you were in the you were in the twelve hours the next year. Uh, and Jim Downing had made one of the first cars there. I, I drove for Downing and, and won a couple of races in his Kudzu chassis. And uh, that was about ninety three or ninety four. But yeah, I drove those cars a lot. I think I drove the Kudzu. I drove the Riley. I drove uh, a you know converted spice. I drove I drove a lot of those cars, which is where I got hooked up with um, with Wayne Taylor. He okay, was winning the, he was winning a championship and needed a co-driver, and uh, and I was a good co-driver. I was a good teammate. I knew you know I could play the game. I come from a I come from a big family with a lot of brothers and sisters, so I need my place at the table. <laughs> and Wayne and I Wayne and I got to be good friends. Wayne won the championship and. Uh, and then a couple of years later, when, when Wayne was uh, running the Riley and Scott for Oldsmobile, he uh, asked me to be his teammate there. And, and we won Daytona and Sebring and, and uh, went to Lamar, and, and he won the championship again. So, you know, I, I, uh, I take pride in two of Wayne's championships. Well, that's great. That's great. How about out west? Did you run some of the tracks out west as well? You know, we were at the time, the IMSA circuit was running – uh, Sears Point at the time of the you know, Infineon Raceway, but Sears Point and Laguna Seca, we would mm-hmm. run up in the, in Portland at the Portland Grand Prix there, uh, and then uh, Las Vegas. Uh, we went to Pike, went to um, Colorado Springs at the the, uh, the Circle Track. We ran a ran a roval, you know, road course oval there. Uh, normally, aspirated engines don't like that high altitude. I can tell you that. <laughs> What other type of racing did you do besides uh, sports car and GT races? Did you ever uh, venture off and do drag racing or NASCAR or roundy round, circle you, track, Pikes you Peak, know, any of that I, stuff? Um, you know, I, I did every time I would go home, I would race whatever I could. So mm-hmm. Literally, I would I'd be driving, you know, carbon fiber prototypes one weekend, and I'd go home and I'd be running a, you know, a, a street stock Firebird, you know, with a cheater motor in it around the local dirt track there in Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana. And, and then the next week, I'm on the way to Lamont. So I was I was getting in just about anything I could and loving it. See, that to me, you know, when I, I've had, uh, you know, Bobby Unser's been on the show, Parnella Jones has been on my show. When you talk of the, the and I'll just say the old school racers, you know, Dan Gurney, the Mario Andretti's, the, the Penske's, and the Carroll Shelby, that was their thing. They said, is, all we wanted to do was drive. And so if I was driving in a race car, whether it was a rounding round car, a circle track car, a dirt track car, a Pikes Peak car, or whatever car, all I wanted was seat time. I wanted to race. And that's what sets, you know, some of these let's just say specialized drivers apart from a good all-around driver because a, a guy that gets into all kinds of cars and, and has that natural talent, he's usually better at it, in my opinion, anyway. Well, the ability to jump from, from one to another is is huge. I mean, I did, I did like, you, you go where the opportunity is, as mm-hmm. I said earlier, and I raced, I raced go-karts on the ice in Russia. 
You know, I, I ran the La Carrera Panamericana across, uh, across, you know, for a week, 2,000 miles across Mexico. You know, the, the uh, pre-run for the, you know, for the Baja 1000. I mean, wh- whatever it was. And the more you do that, the more it sharpens your skills for car control, reading the track, reading the terrain, figuring out what the car likes. I mean, it's one thing to, to be so specialized that you have, you know, a gazillion laps in one particular car. And, you know, you can change the rod height, you know, 50 thousandths, and it affects the car. But, yeah, you get into something different, and, you know, the seat's rubbing me wrong, and I can't reach the shifter, and the clutch is too stiff, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I, I think a lot of different a lot of different venues makes you uh, – makes it, it forces you to be a better driver or you get left in the dust. I've never had anybody on my show that's actually raced the Carrera Panamera. Pan American, you you actually raced that. What was that like? You know, it, it was um, it was truly an adventure. First of all, you know, it, it's five days. You go down to the, the southern tip of Mexico, and you race from the southern tip of Mexico all the way across Mexico up to the up to the basically up to the border there at New Laredo, and it was about two thousand miles. And I don't speak Spanish, <laughs> so that was a little bit. And, and of course, it's all vintage cars. I was in a 1959, I think it was Jaguar 150 coupe, and there were two of us, two you know, a pilot and a navigator, and we're driving these vintage cars on the roads of Mexico, and it is it is absolutely old school. I mean, you sit there and think, okay, I know the course is supposed to be clear. But you may you may come around a corner and there you know there are three donkeys grazing you know on the side of the road that found their way in the road or there may be a truckload of pineapples coming that they didn't get the message that there was a race going on and uh, it was uh, you know there there are serious accidents there every year but it was just phenomenal you know you pull into a city and it's uh, you know you, you, by the time that you know, get the checkered flag at each session for the day and you roll into the city and there's a you know, there's music, there's cold beer, you know, there are dancing girls, and, and you think, man, this is a great festival, and it goes on until about midnight. And then you realize you got to wake up in about six hours and do it all again for five more days. And so when it was, when it was finally over, uh, it, was, uh, it was great. But literally, we ran that Jaguar and in competition with a really good friend there in the Clearwater area. Uh, David Hinton that runs a vintage shop. That, oh yeah, David uh, Hinton with and and uh, Larry Legas of Predator Motorsports. Exactly, I ran I mean, both of those guys. I ran uh, two different years with those guys, and and uh, David was pushing me out up to the very last. And I think it was about thirty seconds difference after a week of you know we were running we were running and basically matching nineteen fifty Jag one you know fifty uh, one fifty Jags. And every time we would stop for a fuel stop or whatever, I would kind of walk over by his car and look at the score sheet. And he'd walk by my car and look at the score sheet. And we were matching each other. You know, literally for a week, we were within seconds on each segment. And finally, it came down to the last run, and we were about 30 seconds apart. No kidding. And, uh, and uh, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I wound up winning it with my co-driver. You know, we wound up winning the, winning that particular class, which was a really big deal. But it was... It was hard fault right up until the end with with, uh, with David. 
How Great many guys? Now. I work with those guys in that shop a lot too. Yeah, no, they're super guys, super guys. And of course, now he's got HSR, so he's uh, got the vintage gig going on. Let me ask you this: So, how many hours a day did you actually drive for the Carrera Pan America? We we typically left at about eight a.m. and they send you off in I believe it's thirty second intervals. Uh-huh. So you know you 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 cross and you basically start out in your uh, finishing order for the day, or your overall. Uh, uh, position and every 30 seconds they launch a new car and so from about eight o'clock in the morning until about three o'clock in the afternoon you are you you know you're doing everything you have to do pretty much in that car and when, when you have to stop for fuel or this that and another you got to make it up i had uh, along that way david had some trouble with an axle mm-hmm. and repaired it and we had trouble with the throttle cable actually the throttle cable started coming apart in that jag and it stuck wide open Ooh. and at the time I'm, I'm i'm navigating with my with my uh, with my driver russell g and um and i i hear i'm calling out the root book you know i'm great got him one to the left over a crest sharp right you know got a three right et cetera, et cetera. while uh you know over the intercom while we're while russell's driving and we get to a corner, he breaks a little bit. I hear the motor rev up. I thought, that's unusual. And then we get to the next corner, I hear the motor rev up. I said, Russell, is the, is the throttle sticking a little bit? No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Okay, you know, four to the right, down to second gear, two to the left, okay. And then we get about two corners later, and he pushes the clutch in, the motor goes to the rev limiter, and he says, you know, the throttle's sticking, the throttle's sticking. And I reached up and shut the switch off. The switch is in the middle. I shut the switch off. And it's like, holy smokes. Wow, man, thanks for doing that. We made the corner. I switched that rascal back on. Full throttle. It took off. Huh. We ran the next, we ran about the next 150 miles with the, with, with me, with the, with the throttle. And I mean, the throttle stuck wide open and I got a switch on and off. And we finally get to a point where we got to stop for fuel. And uh, I get out, and I see what happened to it, and uh, and the uh, cable is all wound up. So we cut the cable and uh, tie a shoestring. I pull the shoestrings out of my I racing shoes, tie the ends together, tie it to the carburetor, run it under the hood and into the window. So I'm on the navigator side with the string on the carburetor. It's like something, you know, out of the Little Rascals. I got the <laughs> throttle. Russell's got the steering wheel and the brakes and the shifter. And we finished the we finished the day that way. It was it was great. Wow, wow, what a story. Well, let's jump over to the uh, Chattanooga Motor Car Festival a little bit. Tell us about some of the other exciting things that are going to take place uh, during that weekend. Now, that's next weekend, right? That is next weekend, October 10, 11, uh, excuse me, 11, 12, 13. Mm -hmm. And we are sponsored by Volkswagen. Obviously, Volkswagen has a major presence here in Chattanooga. And we're supported by Coca-Cola. Okay. And uh, joined with Coker Tire. And uh, so we are. We have three different events. We've got our time trial. It's going to be about 50 great race cars. I think the oldest one is a 1918 American LaFrance. Oh. We have a lot of, uh, you know, 20s and 30s hot rod Fords, and then we have some 50s and 60s uh, Mustangs, Austin Healey, uh, MG. I think we have a couple of Indy cars. We have uh, two or three Lola T70s for oh. those uh, 70s. Our early uh, 70s, late 60s. Uh, Bill Elliott will be here in a Boss Mustang. All right. Uh, carrying the Ford brand on. So all of that will be going on on the time trial. Our Concours, again, we have uh, from about uh, early, uh, early, I think 1907, we have some motorcycles coming in. And then up through the later model supercars. So we have, you know, Auburns and Cadillacs and 
have a Steyr, uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, Jaguars, Porsches, um, you know, some hot rods, uh, older Mercedes, some, you know, customs. Yeah, we had heard from Ray Evernham at the beginning, and Ray has been on board with this event from the start. He's sending over uh, two really, really nice cars. One is a 58 Impala from the movie American Graffiti, which we all remember, that white-colored, pearl-colored car. He's sending that car over. And he's also sending over a Dan Gurney uh, IndyCar, the Olsenite uh, Eagle. Uh, So we have some great cars there. So if you like cars, in any way, shape, or form, come look at them. You know, Corvette is sending... Uh, I think six cars coming down from the Corvette Heritage Center. Uh, we have one of the one of the first 353 Corvettes, the hand-built. We have uh, the 59 Stingray prototype. We have the one of the early uh, Manta Rays. We have um, a couple of later ones. We have a 2020 C8 that'll be here. We have a um, 63 Grand Sport from uh, from the Collier Museum, from the Revs Institute now there in Naples. Uh, the National Corvette Museum is sending over some uh, some great cars also. So we have some really, really rare cars. And to be able to see all of those and, and you know, walking down one street is uh, quite rare. Uh, all the I say all the usual. We have some fantastic celebrities that will be here. Brian Redman is our Grand Marshal. Uh, David Hobbs will be here signing books. Linda Vaughn, you know, Miss Hurst Shifter that just never goes out of style. Wayne Carini, Cookie uh, Coker, Donald Osborne from Jay Leno's Garage will be here. You mentioned uh, Elaine DeCadene is our announcer for the time trials. So, uh, I mean, we just have a, uh, a wonderful cast for the, for the different venues that were here. So it truly is a motor car festival. We have uh, the uh, area Antique and Wooden Boat Club. Uh, we'll be on display and doing tours, uh, doing a little boat tour at lunchtime along the riverfront. So we'll close the racetrack for lunch, and as we do that, we'll have all these beautiful mahogany and teak, antique boats uh, rolling, uh, trolling up and down the river with that wonderful sound that a that a wooden boat makes, you know, gurgling in the water. So a lot going on. Come and see us at the website, ChattanoogaMotorCar.com. We'll give you a schedule. You can buy tickets. You can general admission. You can buy VIP tickets. But we have all that. We have uh, we have a kids zone. We have the climbing wall. We have the Discovery Museum. There's an aquarium here. So I mean, there's just the idea is to have something uh, for every part of the family, and more than just you know the the gearhead that drives you know 20 miles out of town and there's not even a good restaurant close by so we have all of that going on in the heart of the west village here in chattanooga uh, right out in front of the western hotel so it's it will be a great event for a great cause and we just want people to come and join us and celebrate with us i'm on your website i see you got a cars and coffee too is going to take place we do we had such a great response and we we sold out for the concord but the, there's so many local people here that wanted to come in so we've opened up for friday morning for a cars and coffee it's very casual uh, i think it's from nine o'clock to two o'clock we ask that they register online just so we we know if we have uh you know 200 cars or or 500 cars but that we ask that they register online just so we know that they're there but We've reached out, and that's for me. That's been one of the great things about this event is just meeting the meeting all the people and hearing the stories about their cars. And 
And that's what we're celebrating is that passion of, you know, whether it was your granddad's or it was your, you know, it was your buddies or it was the one you always wanted. And, uh, you know, all of those emotions that go with, with cars and the reason we love them is, the, is what we're celebrating here at the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. Well, Jim, I want to thank you very much. We are right up against the clock here, so I want to thank you again very much. So one more time, why don't you go ahead and give out the website? It's the Chattanooga MotorCarFestival.com, right? That will take you there, or, or ChattanoogaMotorCar.com. Either one of those will take you to the MotorCar Festival, but it's ChattanoogaMotorCar.com, and, uh, you know, come see us. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to spread the word. And again, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out and sharing it with us here at Nostalgic Radio Cars. A little bit about your history, your racing hobby, your passion, and obviously your passion for the upcoming event here next uh, next weekend. And uh, we will certainly try to make an effort to get up there. In the meantime, thank you very much and take care. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Well, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network... Uh, between 7 and 8 p.m. You can uh, listen to me and some of my interviews with some of my fascinating guests. Don't forget, this weekend, the Dunedin Brewery October, October Fest and Car Show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Downtown Dunedin. Great food, great brew, some cool cars cool people and don't forget they got some great music so this should be a really 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 fun event and uh, don't forget to follow us on social media facebook twitter instagram all that other good stuff uh hey check out my website and check out my facebook page and uh, look at some of the cars i got for sale i got another mgb midget i just are not midget mgb gt i just dragged in so in the meantime everybody i want to see you at the car show stay safe drive carefully and love your family WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.